Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Aussies Only, our weekly look at the Australian players on tour. Hello and thank you for tuning in to this bumper edition of Aussies Only, our weekly podcast here at The First Serve, where we like to take the time to tune in specifically to how our Australian players are tracking on the tour. Brought to you by Latour Tennis, you can check them out at latourtennis.com or at Latour Tennis on Instagram. The very best tennis apparel range in the business. You would have seen several players rocking the Dig 3 collection from Latour at this year's Australian Open, including singles quarterfinalist Tennis Sangren and doubles finalist Luke Saville. Once again, latourtennis.com. Check them out. Jed Zetzer here alongside Jake Eames, an ex-professional player on the tour, part of Caroline Wozniacki's team at the Australian Open and one of the men behind Latour Tennis. Welcome, Jake. Thanks for having me back again and uh, looking forward uh, to today's podcast. Yes, looking forward to it as well. And now a very special guest on the show this week. She was actually the first player to ever come on the Aussies Only podcast a couple years ago, back in 2018. Welcome to the show, Ellen Perez. Hey guys, thanks for having me. That's actually an interesting fact. I didn't, I didn't know I was the first person. Yeah, you were the very first person to um, come on the show way back in 2018 when we started and yeah, look forward to catching up again. Yeah, perfect. Ellen, what's your current living arrangement during this whole pandemic? Where are you living at the moment and, and who with? Yeah, mine's been a little messy to be honest. Um, when I flew back, I flew into Melbourne thinking I was going to play Canberra um, ITF. And as I've gone to board the flight, I realised they've obviously cancelled all the tennis tournaments. So I decided I was going to head back to Sydney. Um, that's where my family lives. Um, And also my boyfriend's from Sydney. So I was like, I'll go back, see them. There's nothing really to rush to get to Melbourne for. Um, So yeah, I've been actually just staying in Sydney this whole time, um, switching between a little bit uh, in Sydney with him. And then also I live in the Illawarra down in Chahaba. So staying here with the family. Um, So yeah, I don't know my intentions when I'll head back to Melbourne, but um, there's no real plan and rush at this point. So you obviously um, grew up in Shell Harbour, obviously Australian as well. But uh, the surname, Perez, have you got um, any Spanish connections there or how's that all work? Yeah, my dad's family's from Spain. Um, they're from Lilinia, which is the south of Spain, kind of uh, bordering Gibraltar. So, yeah, I've been to Spain once. Since I've got definitely got some family still in Spain, but I definitely need to go back to see a few other places for sure. That's awesome. During this whole period, how are you keeping fit at home? Are you able to hit? Have you got access to a court? Yeah, um, I was keeping really fit, um, doing a lot more. So when I was in Sydney with my boyfriend, he um, has a tennis court in his backyard and a gym. So... I was almost hitting every day, doing a little bit of coaching at home too. Um, And then I've been going for a lot of runs, Um, kind of set out out a goal doing this 10-kilometer run in a certain time. And 
I usually don't like running long distances. <laughs> I stay away from it as much as possible, but I thought this would be a challenge. So I've started doing that. And then I got a little bit injured. I hurt my calf a little bit. So that kind of um, put a hold on all that. So I thought I'd come home, see the family a bit for this past week. But I'll head back and I'm getting better and I'll probably get back into that kind of um, routine again. Yeah, it is a very tricky situation, I guess. Trying to train and not knowing when you're going to be able to be back playing on the tour again. Is there anything new you've learned about yourself in isolation? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because I took up drawing when I was uh, just a little bit of mindfulness kind of when I was back on the tour. But now that I've got all this time, I've kind of gone away from that, which is interesting. I would have thought like with all this spare time, I'd go back into doing some drawing and I don't know, take some time to reflect and think. But I don't know, I've actually kept really busy during this time um, doing other things. Like I really enjoy cooking. That was something if I didn't do tennis, I was looking at doing hospitality and something. So being able to cook and doing a lot of like trivia with the girls and things like that, just enjoying different things. Yeah, so I don't know if I've learned anything other than just how to keep busy in other ways. What's motivating you to keep fit and really focus on your tennis during this time? Probably not to gain weight, <laughs> first and foremost. <laughs> I mean, obviously I love tennis, so it's hard to keep me away from the court. I, I don't think I'm going on the court with a purpose of, you know, let's work on this forehand or this backhand, you know, that type of aspect. But just to keep active, um, keep ticking away. I mean, obviously, when the tour has a more accurate data when they come back, kind of spark a light in everyone to get going again. But, yeah, and also just to be happy and enjoy my time off. And, yeah. We've spoken to, uh, obviously, a bunch of um, guys on the ATP tour. Um, how are all the girls coping with the current situation? And is everyone still in contact with each other off court? Yeah, I think the girls are doing really well. We've, um, Especially with Tennis Australia, we've set up some, like, we did a MasterChef class yesterday. Um, we have trivia night Tuesdays or Thursdays. Um, we've all been really active in getting involved in a lot of the initiatives they have. Um, I don't know what the boys have been doing. Maybe they've also <laughs> been doing that. But I know we always speak. We've got a big group chat on WhatsApp. Um, in terms of training, I think um, obviously the situation in Melbourne and New South Wales are a little bit different. Um, with the courts being locked in Melbourne, whereas they're not here. So I know a lot of the girls are struggling to find hits and kind of hitting maybe once or twice a week with one another. Um, I know Arena Rodionova has a court in her backyard. So I think they're all kind of trying to find private courts. But, yeah, I mean, I think everyone's doing okay so far. I know um, we're also thinking of trying to do an initiative where Tennis Australia joins with um, the AFL and different sports and we start um, interacting with different um, athletes. That, yeah. Have you heard anything on that? Is there any sort of developments with the merge with other sports? Yeah, there definitely is. Um, it's, it's in the works. It's definitely happening. I know um, I'm teaming up with uh, Dario Gavrilova and we're going to be, um, be speaking. I guess it's in pairs. You'll probably get two other athletes from another team who I, I don't know exactly what the um, the layout is. I know it's also going to be another moderator or someone in the chat with us and, you know, to not make it too awkward. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think it's more to just build another friendship, um, get interact with other teams. So when we do go back to normality that, um, yeah, there's a relationship with someone else there. So it is good. Mentally, how are you coping not being able to play and not really being able to um, to work and, you know, do your job and what you love? Yeah, it's been mixed. I mean, there's, there's always, um, you got to look at the positives in everything. Um, I think it's given me a lot of time to spend at home with my family and, you know, do other things I'm not used to doing. And yeah, I think in that side, it's great. Obviously, I love playing tennis and traveling the world and, you know, making money is obviously definitely a bonus. But um, yeah, so I mean, it's, you take the good with the bad where you can, but um, it would be great, obviously, to go back just for everyone. I know it's not easy on um, 
a lot of people's lives, especially in Australia and around the world. So, um, yeah, it would be great to be able to go back soon. There's been um, a bit of discussion around kind of domestic teams events and domestic tournaments. Have you heard any news on that from Tennis Australia or is there any updates? I haven't. Um, I was actually curious. I'm trying to look into if they were going to take this initiative on. Um, I love the idea. Um, I kind of thought it could be evolved where instead of a state of origin, we just had eight or ten teams of random, kind of like, I don't know if you're familiar with the world team setup where, you know, you just have a captain and they go out and pick every player. Um, with the same, obviously, um, criteria that they had, you know, the two legends, uh, six current players, two juniors. I think that would open up more opportunities to players. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm all for it. I know a lot of the players are all for it, but I don't know where Tennis Australia stands with it. I know they're obviously um, taking big budget cuts and putting money into other areas. So I don't know if they have the budget for it, but it would be great to see. There's been a lot of talk during this time about the financial side of the game. A lot of people believe the lower-ranked players perhaps don't earn enough and the spread isn't even. As a player ranked around the 250 mark at the moment, how are you placed in this whole situation? If you don't mind us asking, what does it cost a player around that ranking to travel on the tour each year? And are they, are they making money or are they breaking even? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously the spread of the money is a huge issue in tennis at the moment. I, I think it's pretty atrocious how someone 500, whatever the ranking is back there, they're not making enough compared to someone else 500 in the world at their sport, say in football. There definitely needs to be something done. A player union needs to kind of be brought upon to kind of fix this or, you know, the spread of money needs to go further down the line. I definitely believe that. But, yeah, in terms of where I am and being 250, I, I don't know if I'm a great example because we've obviously, being Australian, we, I be, with Tennis Australia and the Federation, I've had um, enormous support from them. So... I mean, someone usually 250 or kind of where I've been uh, wouldn't maybe get the opportunity to play a main draw of a slam or a qualifying of some of these slams even with my ranking. So I'm getting some income where I probably shouldn't with my ranking. I'm also getting support from uh, Tennis Australia with coaches, physios, um, trainers, whatnot um, on the roads too. So I'm not paying for a coach. I'm not, I don't have those expenses. Um, but I know, I, I can only imagine how much these girls are paying. Mm. I mean, you go to these tournaments, you fly overseas, it's a thousand something. You stay in these, uh, especially WTAs, you get put up for the nights, but if you don't win, then you have to pay 200 a night to get to the, till the next tournament until you um, they cover the next tournament. So, you know, you might be out of pocket uh, six eight hundred that week as well from that you're paying for food you know and if you bring a coach you're paying 200 every night for their stay as well so I mean these financials people are paying around a hundred thousand a year for a coach um, and then expenses on top of that so I, I don't think you're actually breaking even until you're around the top hundred I know for me especially I, I have been able to make money and that's only because Tennis Australia has put in so much help um, but I don't think anyone um, around the 200 marks making money. So, yeah, it, it's kind of hard to see when they're, they're doing this relief fund and they mention the numbers 250 to 700 because I don't know if that's fairly relative or, or accurate because someone 150 is obviously making more, but they're investing back into their tennis more because they go into bigger tournaments, they're taking mm. a coach with them. Someone's, you know, 600 is just taking themselves um, and, they're, you know, cutting costs, staying at ITFs where there's maybe housing. It's... It's relative to where you are with how much you're spending, I believe. Um, and I, I spoke to them about that. I kind of proposed the idea of 
they should really rank it in salary, um, how much you've earned, and then kind of find a point where they're like, okay, they haven't made enough, and then, okay, this person hasn't made enough, and that's the gap. So it, it takes away, like, someone who's 249 um, and misses out complaining, but they've actually made way less than someone 250. You know, that I think yeah. that's where it's not fair. Um, wherever you're going to draw the line, you're going to have people upset. And I think the fairest thing could be um, just to go on income and be like solely like you didn't make enough. Here's your money, you know, no matter what you do. It's, it's a tough situation for everyone. Is there any other income for a tennis player outside prize money? Is for a player ranked around 200 to 250, um, is there any other form of income? Uh, it depends, I guess, where you are. I know plenty of people play in like those tennis leagues. I mean, Australia had the um, Premier League and stuff like that coaching I know a lot of players going to coaching but it's all you know it's all relative to tennis still playing and whatnot for your money I yeah I mean apart from getting another job I, I can't really see any I know now that the situation we're in people are everyone's looking into the Centrelink payments so I don't know yeah that's kind of where I'm at and sure. when you're traveling as an Australian do you base yourself somewhere um, in Europe or the States for like longer stints or you're just constantly going from hotel to hotel and come back for your training blocks yeah, uh, I hate having to come home, to be honest. Not love coming home, but I want to avoid the long travel as much as possible just because you do lose, you know, a week of jet lag, whatnot. I'm predominantly doing the, uh, the US trip just because I was working with an uh, American coach. Um, and I've also, I've also did college tennis, so I'm very familiar with the States and have a lot of friends there. And I, I enjoy, obviously, the American lifestyle. And we had a base also in Orlando um, with the USTA. We had a partnership, so it was nice that we could also kind of go back to Orlando between tournaments, stay there, train, um, and then go back out to another tournament. Um, as for the Europe, we didn't have a base. We were speaking with, I think, the Moritoglu Academy. I I don't know if that went anywhere, but um, we were definitely looking for a base or somewhere. We did in Germany in the past, but I think that's something Tennis Australia needs to kind of um, get back together because I know when we're overseas in Europe, it would be uh, amazing to be able to stop somewhere there. Ellen, you touched on um, the States. You went to the University of Georgia. Do you mind telling us how that experience was? Is that something that you'd recommend to up-and-coming tennis players to go to college? What, what would you recommend? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at college. I thought it was uh, great for my development as a tennis player as well. I think I was at that point in my career where I think I was about four, five hundred going into college. Um, but I had a lot of injuries um, at the time. I'd also had uh, a right wrist injury, which as soon as I got to college, I needed surgery on. Um, but I, I saw no disadvantages to going to college um, and playing for a year and having the opportunity to then go pro and you know, then they will pay for the rest of your degree if you decide to come back or you want to finish it online. So I was like, you know, let's go um, play a year and then I can go and play on the tour. And you can even stay a little bit and they'll pay for up to seven tournaments in a year. So I thought that opportunity was something hard to pass up. Like I think everyone should at least take that on. And then if you, if it's not for you, if you, if you do extremely well, then you can leave. If, it, if you don't do as well, then you can stay and develop your game and learn to compete. I think I think learning to compete and um, playing for something bigger than yourself, having that team environment is, is amazing. And um, I mean, the memories and the experience you make at college is uh, something you'll never find, especially not in Australia. Um, so I, I love my time there. I actually ended up staying for three years because my first year I had, I had I probably didn't do as well as I liked. And then my second year I did really well. And I was kind of like, should I go pro? But kind of when you're in that environment, it's just, it's so easy to keep going with what you're comfortable with. So I probably, maybe I stayed a year too long. My third year, I mean, I still did well, obviously, but 
uh, I think I was ready to go after two years. But I think every, every player can find their niche at college, make it what they want to make it, whether it's academics, school, both, and then you can kind of transition from there. Yeah, I also think it's a great pathway for modern day players. You're currently now 247 in the world for singles. You have been 160, uh, but you're 41 in the world as a career high for doubles. And I think you're sitting at 46 at the moment. Um, doing so well in doubles, has that changed the way you train at all? Or have you put a little bit more focus in your training on doubles or what's your priority there? Yeah, my priority is still definitely singles. Um, I don't ever really go into a practice trying to focus on any doubles specific stuff. Obviously, you, you do volleys and whatnot just because you know, you got to touch on all your skills. But um, it's always been um, singles and doubles has come more naturally to me. So I don't think I really ever need to practice doubles. I kind of just, if I am just in a tournament and it's only a doubles tournament or I, I've been knocked out of singles and just left in doubles, that's when I'll just do double specific stuff. But yeah, otherwise I'm always preparing with singles. Yeah, I think college also helped me with that though. We play so many doubles matches, you always practice doubles at college. Um, so yeah, I think um, that's kind of where the doubles has come a little easier to me. Playing doubles with friends doesn't always mean you'll perform well together. What works well for you and Storm Sanders? <laughs> Uh, I think it's good to find uh, someone you gel with, have a great connection. Me and Storm have gone back a long time. We've always, we've been good friends. Uh, we train together. We see each other day in, day out. Maybe it's that lefty connection. <laughs> Lefty's got to hang together a little more. Um, but I think you got to find things that, you know, where, where you're not as good, they pick you up and where, you know, they maybe like you have the strength as well. So I think that the thing with Storm and I is I might not be as good at one thing, like say returning, where Storm's super solid and we kind of help each other. So, so Storm hits big off the back, makes my job easier than that. And, I, and we both obviously volley well. I think, you know, finding our um, strengths and weaknesses and pairing them well together is kind of one of our big strengths. Um, and then obviously the, the friendship and camaraderie off the court makes it so easy on the court. Who plays on the juice side when you guys are playing? <laughs> she does she does <laughs> i normally play juice yeah that's right so storm loves the juice um and i was happy to change i've played both sides before and i played with other partners who just love the juice and i'm like you know what i'll just go add so i was playing the ad side yeah okay cool yeah it's always, always tricky when there's two left-handers playing together yeah um a lot of the players obviously or not the players actually everyone in in the world right now in isolation is getting pretty stuck into netflix uh, is there any TV shows that you're into at the moment? I was getting into Ozarks a little bit. I'm on season two now. Um, I know everyone's talking about Ozarks. I'm, I'm not as sure I'm sold on it as mo other people are. It was great that Money Heist season four came out. I, I smashed through that in about a day. And then, oh, I mean, I had to had to understand what Tiger King, what the hype was all about. So I watched quite a few episodes of that. And the Michael um, Jordan documentary, I've been, I've been watching a little bit of that, but yeah, I haven't actually watched that much Netflix, surprisingly. I've somehow found myself pretty busy with other things. If I have, I've also watched movies at night more so than Netflix, but yeah. Do you read books as well or do you prefer to um, stick to Netflix? Yeah, I'm not a huge reader. <laughs> the reading <laughs> went to uh, college textbooks and that was it. And even that was a struggle, to be honest. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I've never had a, a big passion for reading. My brother loves reading, went through, you know, like the Harry Potter books in a day type reading. And I just, I read the series of Unfortunate Events and that was my extent of reading. I've done it. <laughs> I've had my time. And 
that's enough. So yeah, I'm not I'm not passionate about reading. Fair enough. With the extra time right now, and obviously you don't know when we're going to be back playing. Have you set any goals for yourself for when you return? I think I'll just kind of I I was I reckon that the tennis won't be back till 2021. My goals for 2020, I think I'll just roll over to 2021 pretty much, since the year's probably going to be a repeat. Um, I, I really wanted to represent Australia this year, either in the Fed Cup or um, the Olympics. So they were two of my big goals. And I did focus a little bit more on the doubles this year. I was going to play, obviously, Indian Wells in Miami with um, Sam Stozer and a few other tournaments. And they were just doubles tournaments because um, my singles wasn't high enough. So, yeah, it's just to get my ranking up and purely um, meet those criteria. But, yeah, obviously, it depends where we start next year in the um, in the calendar to if, if I'll take the same approach. But, um, yeah, definitely want to continuing to get my doubles up but um also singles I, I really wanted to make a big push to top 100 i mean i've i've probably said that every year but i've never really had the, the confidence and belief and yeah i've got a new coach i'm working with dave taylor and he's got i mean i've always been told i've had a lot of talent and um, people can see me doing extremely well but you know being told that i don't think it makes it any easier you know you kind of just think it should come and you know you i'm a pretty laid-back person i've always had that um personality and you know like I always like to make a joke of everything and and I think it's it's time for me to be a little more serious and um kind of have that belief so yeah I think when the tour comes back I'm going to have a little bit different mind uh outlook and perspective uh, when I approach my singles that's for sure yeah just one more um touching on sort of the the financial side of the game how many players in your opinion should be able to make a living off tennis at, at what rank should players start actually yeah being able to make a living off the sport oh man that's a tough question yeah i haven't looked into enough other sports i mean obviously there's you know you've got your american football and your afls and if you look down the line it goes almost to like six seven eight hundred people you know i don't even know the numbers but you know that many people i think when you look at tennis and you look at the levels of someone around 700 i i don't know if i think they should be making obviously a lot of money they should be making something but i would say at least top 300 the, the players in the top 300 there is no difference in level of ability what they're doing for training how much effort they're putting in i, I definitely believe those top 300 should be making a lot of money um and then, yeah, it, I mean, there's no reason that the top thousand should not be making money. I mean, someone in the from seven hundred to a thousand, they're they're definitely not making money. They're in well and truly in debt. So that shouldn't happen. To be someone who's still seven hundred in the world for your sport, you're you're still damn good at your sport. So, yeah, where they draw the line, I don't know, but it, it should definitely at least be top three to five hundred. For what it's worth, I, t- I definitely agree. I think when you look at um, other sports around the globe, you know, that's far deeper. As you mentioned, players, you know, the 500th best player in other sports coming out on top. And yeah, it doesn't seem like that in tennis. It doesn't seem like it's going deep enough into the ranks. Yeah. Just one last one for me. Could the tour be structured better? In an ideal world, what does it look like for you in terms of, I mean, we've heard the proposals from Sam Groff, similar to how the golf tour is structured. Do you think there's an issue with the current structure? Oh, I wasn't. I haven't been familiar with what Sam Groff's come out. I don't even know how the golf tour is structured, to be honest. Maybe that'll change my opinion. <laughs> um, I, I've never seen a problem with the tour, but I also didn't know what what it could look like to know like how good it could be. You know, I've always loved traveling. I know not everyone loves that. And I know that's what makes tennis, you know, a little tough, but how you restructure it. I mean, I've always not been a huge fan of, you know, there's some tournaments in America, there's some in Europe, there's some here, and it's just so fast spread. And, you know, you go from one week in this location to then traveling across the country to somewhere else to then go back to the same place. 
Mm. And I've found that always so weird. Why not keep it in the same location and keep three tournaments similar? Um, so it's not as much travel. You're not, you know, spending as much money. Um, that's one of the big things in the operations I've seen that's, you know, I've never agreed with. But in terms of that, I think that's probably the only big thing for me. I 100% agree. It's, it's, it's very difficult for everyone to come together and make up the correct solution how the structure should should work and i said you said the structure works quite well as it is now it's just that the money really doesn't feed through and maybe there's some extra travel traveling issues but yeah it's been a super insightful chat and fantastic to speak to you i wasn't there i was in the first one here but um yeah it's been been a pleasure <laughs> thank you yeah you missed out <laughs> yeah. we were the beginning of something great here <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Ellen. Um, really look forward to tracking your progress when the tour finally returns and really getting behind you on your goal to the top 100. Oh, awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning into this edition of Aussies Only. Look forward to tracking the progress of Ellen Perez as she embarks on her quest to the top 100. We will definitely be sure to keep a close eye on her here at the first serve. Thetourtennis.com. Check them out. The very best tennis apparel range you must check them out latourtennis.com and also head over to thefirstserve.com.au for more content just like this a variety of podcasts news articles our weekly live show and much much more thefirstserve.com.au you can check us out on social media facebook twitter instagram the first serve and aussie tennis talks as well thank you for tuning into this week's edition of aussies only you've been listening to aussies only Part of the First Serve, your home of tennis. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91